This is Pat Solver with the Dr. Ways In, and today we're going to talk about heart health. I have with me today Andrew Waxler, MD, who's a practicing cardiologist. He's triple boarded. He's board certified in cardiology, nuclear cardiology, and internal medicine. And he's affiliated with Burke's cardiologists in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, and treats patients at uh, Penn State, St. Joseph Medical Center, and Reading Health Center in Reading, Pennsylvania. And we've asked him to join us today to talk about diagnostics in heart health. Uh, welcome, Andy. Well, thank you very much for having me. So I thought we'd start out uh, with asking what in general, what kind of advice do you have for older, older Americans who are concerned about their own or their loved one's heart health? What do you recommend that they do? Should they have an annual physical? Should they get heart tests like the one that President Trump had during his physical? Or should they go to a, straight to a cardiologist like you? <laughs> well, no, we, we always want people to start with their PCP, their primary care physician. That's always a good place to start. And even going one step Beyond that, we always want people to start with the basics. What I, what I like to tell patients is, uh, you know, the advances we've had in cardiology in the last 20 or 30 years are absolutely breathtaking. And, uh, you know, if, if we had time, I could give you a list of 100 things that we've um, developed. That being said, probably 50% of my job is to say things that they said back in Abraham Lincoln's day, which is to say, start with the basics. Eat a good diet. Uh, my wife and I are trying to get get ourselves back on a good diet of fruits and vegetables, lean meats, uh, whole grains, uh, nuts, that kind of thing. So eat a good diet. Try to exercise 30 minutes a day, even if you just walk around the block. You know, patients will say, oh, I've got a bad hip, I can't run, or I, I don't have money for a health club, or I say, just walk around the block. If you do something for 30 minutes, uh, we tell people to try to, you know, uh, to try to maintain a reasonable weight. And everybody knows if they're overweight. We all know it, and sometimes it's hard to lose weight. We tell people don't smoke. So those are just some basic things. So, yes, you've probably heard this many times, and our listeners have heard this many times, but it's kind of like vital signs. You know, vital signs, when you see a patient, those are very important. So the basic, always start with the basics. In terms of seeing a doctor, everybody, whether it's you, me, young, old, Everybody should see a doctor on a regular basis. We could debate whether it should be every six months or every year. I, that I don't know. But everybody should see a doctor on a regular basis. And the primary reason to see a doctor on a regular basis is that a lot of things, a lot of conditions that will harm us in later years develop slowly over time without symptoms. We always call high blood pressure the silent killer. But you have to remember that diabetes can be silent and high cholesterol can be silent. And these three things can, uh, again, have no symptoms, and they can build up and lead to hardening of the arteries, or atherosclerosis, as we call it, uh, and cause heart attacks and strokes. So um, the main reason to see a doctor on a regular basis is to be screened and tested for simple things that you may not know you have. The other reason would be you may not be aware that certain symptoms you're having might be a problem. So, for instance... Uh, my wife's a nurse practitioner, and, and a, a patient told her once, oh, I've been getting indigestion. And she said, well, when do you get indigestion? She said, every time I walk on the treadmill. So what a patient perceived as indigestion, she was smart enough to perceive the fact that it was happening on the treadmill 
then it was more cardiac than stomach. So, so really the three take-home messages are, number one, try to do the basics. We all know what we're supposed to do to live healthy uh, lifestyle. Number two, see a doctor periodically to get checked up for silent things that can bite you in the butt years later. And number three, see a doctor regularly just to kind of run things by a doctor who may pick up on things that, that you didn't pick up on. And it's not your fault. You know, we can't be good at everything. I don't know how to change the oil in my car. So not everybody can know everything. So that was a long answer to a short question. Yeah, but it was a great answer. So uh, thank you very much. And I totally agree with you that uh, that you want to start with the basics. But um, we know from uh, reading about President Trump's exam that he had more complicated tests. He had a stress test. He had a uh, calcium test. He had, uh, I think he had an echo. Uh, yes. Can you talk about these more sophisticated tests, when people should get them, and, and what do they mean? Uh, and maybe you can use President Trump's example of his, um, the results of his calcium test to talk about interpretation of a result being really important. Sure, absolutely. So, of course, the President of the United States, uh, whether you know, we like him or not like him, you know, regardless of how you view each president, each president um, is important. And um, so every president um, gets extra treatment and extra diagnostic uh, uh, studies. So, and that's just the way it's been. We, you know, I don't know that. Guy, more than you or me, right? He would more than the average guy. That's right. And again, I don't know whether that's fair or, or correct, but given the importance of the office, uh, I think for probably 100 years, uh, the president has gotten sort of extra special medical attention. So, yes, President Trump recently got a whole battery of tests, more so than I would get or you would get or the average person listening would get. Um, but there's some interesting stuff in there. First and foremost, he had what's called a coronary calcium score. Anybody out there can get a coronary calcium score. Most states, you do need to get a doctor's pr uh, prescription, but any doctor is going to say, okay. And a coronary calcium score is basically a very quick CAT scan of your chest. It's about 30 seconds or a minute, maybe even less, without using x-ray dye. So yes, it is a radiation test, but there's very small amount of radiation and no x-ray dye. Uh, and again, uh, it, you can get a prescription from your doctor. It's usually not covered by insurance, and it usually costs somewhere between $100 and $150. So it is available to most of our listeners out there and it's reasonably priced. It's not free, uh, but it's reasonably priced. And here's the concept. Some smart person literally about 100 years ago, like around World War I, and I'm not kidding, when they first started having primitive x-rays, figured out that on an x-ray you cannot see hardening of the arteries. But you can see specks of calcium where arteries are. And the idea is that the body doesn't like when you develop hardening of the arteries. And your body tries to cover it up. You know the old expression, sweep things under the rug. So your body tries to cover up hardening of the arteries with a layer of calcium. We can, make, we can take advantage of that. If we see calcium where we know there are arteries, that's a clue that the body is reacting to the hardening of the arteries. In other words, the calcium is not the problem. The calcium is the smoke that tells us that there's fire. And so about uh, 1995 or 2000, some smart people put together some CAT scan programs that they can actually measure the amount of calcium in your coronary arteries. So there's actually a formula to give a number. And so the higher the number, the more calcium is in your heart arteries. 
and the higher the calcium score, the more likely you are to have significant blockage. He has sort of a, a low to moderate calcium score. I would say probably a moderate calcium score. His score was not very high, but it was not normal either. So the funny thing is a lot of people kind of overreacted and said, oh my gosh, the president has you know, coronary artery blockage. The truth is he is right in the middle of the predicted value for his age, which is another way of saying as we get older, most people will develop some hardening of the arteries. So if you get a calcium score on a bunch of people in their early 70s, very few of them are going to be zero, very few. Most are going to be around where Donald Trump is, uh, which means, let me translate what his calcium score means. He most likely does have some early hardening of the arteries of his heart, but most likely it's not significant. Now, we can't say that with 100% with certainty, but that's what the calcium score would suggest. It's sort of good news, bad news. The bad news is there's some early hardening of the arteries. The good news is it's probably early. And that's actually supported by the fact that he also had a stress test, which he passed. Um, a stress test is only going to pick up significant blockage, and he passed his stress test. So the fact that he had a low to moderate calcium score and he passed his stress test would suggest he probably has early mild blockage but nothing bad. And the take-home message is most of our listeners in their 70s probably have that right now. Now, if you want to spend $150 and get a calcium score, you can. But I would just say if you feel fine, I would just talk with your family doctor and decide if you need a stress test or not. I, I don't think the average 70-year-old out there who feels fine needs a calcium score because it's going to be mildly elevated and it's just going to get them upset. Now, you could argue that what if it's really super elevated, that might be helpful, but I, I just we don't usually routinely recommend that. So I want to uh, sort of wrap things up here by having you explain to our listeners some of whom may have the misperception that the way you get a heart attack is that the artery gets narrower and narrower and narrower, narrower and it blocks. But in actual fact, isn't the mechanism that, uh, that the hardening, the areas that have the hardening of the arteries or the plaque actually rupture and, and you get your heart attack from a clot? Can you kind of put that together for people? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. So <clears throat> hardening of the arteries is a slow process that, again, builds up silently, just like we mentioned, and it takes decades. It actually starts, believe it or not, in your teens or your 20s. So it's scary. It starts early, and it takes decades to build up. People can present with hardening of the arteries in one of two ways. Either they're older, and they often show up with bad blockages and need bypass surgery because they've had 60 years of building up hardening of the arteries. What can happen to other people, and we don't completely understand why. You're going to ask me why this happens, and the truth is we don't really know. People that are younger or middle-aged um, can actually have what's called a vulnerable plaque. A vulnerable plaque means some hardening of the arteries that's not completely stable, and something triggers it to actually tear. Now, the artery doesn't tear, but the plaque, the hardening of the artery atherosclerosis tears, and then that actually attracts blood clot because that inside that hardening of the artery plaque, there's a lot of chemicals that for some reason attract blood clot and the body makes a mistake. And the body actually thinks there's a tear. So your body thinks you cut yourself shaving and it thinks it's doing a good thing and it rushes all these platelets and other blood clotting factors 
and you end up with a blood clot in your heart artery, and that's a heart attack. So there's really sort of two different ways coronary disease can behave. It can grow very slowly over time, or it can suddenly tear and cause this cascade of blood clotting factors that then leads to a heart attack. And it's, it's really unclear why it, it does that. We're not really sure. I yes. want to really thank you for joining us today and for uh, describing all of this. And I'm going to put out an offer to have you come back and uh, talk to us about treatment uh, in spe and specifically talking about stents and whether they work or not. So I'll just... Oh, I would love to talk about that. That's, yeah, that's the Orbita study from a couple of months ago. Yeah, that's a great topic. Right. That's great. So, uh, so we'll have you back and we'll chat about that. And uh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your, your busy practice to come and uh, help our listeners understand more about this really important topic of how you determine what is the status of your heart health. So thank you, Andy. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.